When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn on the Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the socials. Special episode today, the 1 million download episode. So go right into Jets Jags. It's been uh, almost two years on the pod. We're just about to pass a million downloads with this episode. So appreciate everybody, you know, support over the last, uh, last 22, 23 months. No better guest to have on, Damian Woody, Jets legend. Unfortunately, also a Lion. So you got a little bit of a a little bit of conflicting uh, energy last week, but Damien, how we doing on a uh, on a Wednesday before a Jets game? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. How about yourself? I'm not. I'm not bad. I know we were kind of just joking. It's uh, it feels like we're back into Sam versus trade back versus draft Zach time on uh, on social media. <laughs> WFAN's calling for Robert Sala's head. They want Sean Payton. Not sure what's going on, but we do know is the Jets have a must win game obviously on Thursday. I want to kind of just wrap up the the Lions game and. Obviously, it was, a, it was very disappointing. A lot of people were angry. Some were disappointed. What was your kind of overall takeaway from that game? Because it just feels like a game the Jets let slip away. You know, it, it, it was it was one of those games where everyone seems like they're searching for one reason why the Jets lost. Like, it seems like the whole fan base wants one person to crucify. And it, it's not that simple. Because there's a lot of things that you can point at as to why the Jets fell short in the game that it was right. It was right there for them to win. Obviously, you know, everyone talks about, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, I, you know, the quarterback position is always going to be the one that's highly debatable and all those type of things. And I will say this, Zach made some, made a couple, made some big time throws in the game. There's no question about that. He made throws in that game. I thought that fit it, that fit his skill set, getting outside the pocket, pushing the ball down the field. That's his game. What's not his game is sitting in the pocket, going through progressions and executing and being accurate with the football. That's not his game. It's just not his game. And unfortunately for him, until he masters that aspect of his game, he can never truly be an NFL starter in this league. And so you have that aspect. Um, the obviously you talk about, Robert Sala and, you know, particularly the last drive where he definitely mis misused the timeouts. There's no question about it. 
you can never, you know, be in a situation where you have a timeout to, to spare. You know, you have to be able to manage the situation. And the Jets in that last drive, I think I had a minute 49 with three timeouts. With that situation, you could go score a touchdown. But some of that does fall on Zach because he took a couple sacks in that drive. And that's one thing, that's football one-on-one. When you get in two-minute situations, you can't take sacks. So he took a couple sacks in that drive and combined that with the mismanagement of the timeouts. And that's how you have Greg DeLeg Zerline attempting a 58-yard field goal when it shouldn't have really been in in that position in in the first place. And then last but not least, you know, people talk about, you know, the defense. And, you know, what's crazy is is they gave up, what, 13 points? Yeah, and then, yeah. 13. Including off the turnovers. Yeah, they gave up off the Zach interception. They were in horrible field position, sudden change, and held the Lions down to a field goal in that particular situation, which was amazing, by the way. And they give up the touchdown on, by the way, was a hell of a play call. And sometimes you got to give the other side credit. That was a hell of a play call. Fourth and inches, and the play call was phenomenal. So get, you got to give credit to what credit is due. The Lions and, and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, it worked. It, it worked. And so as much as you hear some people malign the Jets' defense, oh, you can't be considered elite, you know, if you give up a drive like that. Well, guess what? The other side gets paid too. And if you hold a team to 13 points, oh, and oh, by the way, an offense that was coming in red hot and you holding the 13 points, I mean, those are games you should win. Yeah. You should win those games. And so it's just it's just a culmination of things. And, and I didn't even talk about the special teams. Oh, by the way, the Jets need a new punter. That should be priority. To stop with the allegiance to Braden Mann. Find yourself a new punter. Because field position, you're talking about a Jets team that is defense-centric. The offense is struggling. So you need complimentary football in all three phases of the game. Field position plays a huge role for the Jets. And when you don't have a punter who puts you in bad situations, bad field position, it adds up throughout the, throughout the course of the game. Yeah, it's there. You, you hit on a couple of things I wanted to mention there. Obviously, you know, I kind of talked about it earlier in the week, but I mean, I'll go back to special team stuff. It's it's a huge reason why they were five and two. And it's a huge reason why they're now, you know, seven and seven. The, the punt against New England, obviously everyone points to Zach in that game. Braden Mann makes a better punt. That game's going overtime. The Jets might win six to three. You never like the Patriots were never scoring that game. So that's, that's a, a bad kick. The line drop, you know, this better. I mean, I know this too, but it's not just about how far you kick it. It's about the hang time on a punt. And when you give you new like launch line drive punts like that, Everyone's go. Oh, it's 50 yards. That's great. The problem is no one can get down there to cover the punt. And the guy basically you're one guy's running full speed and the other guy's running full speed, but he has a head start and it's just, it's a mess. So the special teams need to get corrected. I went watching back that last, the fourth and 18 throw, you know, you mentioned the two minute drive. Everyone deserves blame during that. The offensive line wasn't fantastic during the two minute drive. Zach made two super special throws. 
He also missed three or four throws that never should have either gotten thrown or just basic routine. If your footwork's good, you hit them. You're never in that spot. And, and taking two sacks, you can't do. Obviously, Robert Salah should have taken the time out there. He mentioned it. Looking back at it, it's tough. He said he thought that Garrett Wilson didn't get the first down. I, I get all of that stuff. Um, it's also crazy if you look at it, the fourth and 18, if Elijah Moore just like falls down, they probably have like four or five seconds and they're six yards, you know, it's a 52 yard field goal, which is maybe, you know, then you have the one timeout, you can, you know, the quarterback can kind of fake take a knee and you're more centered in the middle of the field. It's just the whole thing was kind of a, was a mess. And then you mentioned the defense. I'm not going to start ripping a defense that's given up one touchdown in like eight of the 14 games this year. <laughs> like I just, I can't do it. And um, look, I understand Ben Johnson's a guy that, might be a head coach next year. Like I, he's that good of a coordinator right now for the Lions. And Robert saw mentioned they're averaging four, almost six yards of play on the year. And the Jets held them at 4.7 yards. Like they did everything right. They didn't take the football away. I get that. But you're missing Quinn Williams too. It's not as if uh it's not as if you were fully stocked with with your you know A-list, uh, A-list guys. I kind of wanted to turn the attention a little bit towards towards this week with Jacksonville. I know I hate doing the Trevor Lawrence sack thing. We, you know, it's going to get plastered all over uh, Amazon Prime tomorrow night about a hundred times, but just from a Trevor Lawrence perspective, are you surprised at all that he's now gone from like, he's the guy I think everyone thought he was going to be. Are you, are you shocked how quickly it turned into, wow, this dude's really freaking good. I actually, I'm not, I'm not shocked. I, I think that first of all, I don't even count last year for Trevor Lawrence. Last year was just an utter d- disaster with Urban Meyer. So I look, I actually essentially look at this as almost like his rookie year reincarnated all over again, but with much better coaching and much better personnel around him. And so when you look at Doug Peterson, who's a, you know, a former quarterback himself, Super Bowl winning head coach, play caller, like he knows how to develop quarterbacks. And so this guy came in with a game plan with Trevor Lawrence. The talent has always been there. It's just about, you know, it's all about coaching. Coaching matters more so in the NFL than any other sports league. And look at what Doug Peterson has done for Trevor Lawrence. The offensive line, is, they've done a great job up front in the offensive line. They play better. And then they just surround him with a lot of weapons. Obviously, Travis Etienne coming back this year off that foot entry has been huge uh, in the backfield. But when you add it all all together, man, it doesn't surprise me at this time of year that Trevor Lawrence is truly looking like that generational number one overall pick that we saw in 2021. Yeah, no, it's been special to kind of see, you know, it's unfortunate if you're a Jets fan. (laughs) It's just difficult. You look at it and Trevor's got like 24 touchdowns, 3,500 yards, and Zach's sitting on six touchdowns and – 1500 yards. <laughs> it's yep. not, uh, it's not, a, it's not ideal. Uh, thanks again, Braden, man. I really appreciate your service for that tackle against the Rams. Um, but you no, know, obviously, you know, the Jags look like they're going to be missing Cam Robinson. Uh, you know, hopefully Quinn and Williams will be back. Do you feel like that's a matchup where the Jets are going to have to take advantage? I know it's going to be crazy weather tomorrow. Um, you know, in order to get to Trevor, it seems like if you get with him with four, you have success. I mean, that's kind of a recipe for success in the NFL generally, but do you feel like the D line, is like going to be a key as usual with the Jets where, you know, they're going to have to score, but the D-line's going to have to eat a little bit to uh, to keep them in this game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, listen, Cam Robinson going out for the year, that's a big blow for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's been playing really good football uh, for them. So missing your, your starting left tackle 
it's going to be a big deal, especially against the Jets defensive line that can get out the quarterback. And then you add in, you know, hopefully you get a, you know, get Quentin Williams back in the middle. That's, that's causing havoc and adding in, you know, Bryce Huff coming off there, all the whole defensive line, you know, they should be able to, they should be able to make some things happen against this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Their other tackle is iffy going into the game as well. We don't even know if the other starting tackle is going to play in the game. So, you know, this is an offensive line that's a little beat up right now, and and hopefully the Jets can be able to take advantage of that because right now Trevor Lawrence is on fire. You know, you got to be able to uh, apply pressure with four, you know, drop seven in coverage, and uh, that's got to be the, we- the the recipe defensively for the Jets as usual. Yeah, as usual. That's you look across the league. The the best teams in the league right now are all best defenses are all kind of doing the same thing. It's be able to have good enough corners to lock up in either man or zone, and then if get after the get after the quarterback with four and let your linebackers free. Um, I, I kind of wanted to ask you about Garrett Wilson from this perspective. One, are you surprised how Keyshawn, how humble he was in talking about Garrett Wilson, saying he's better than him? Which I don't know. I followed Keyshawn my whole life. I've never heard him say anyone's better than him, so I'm a little shocked to hear it. <laughs> and, and B, just how good can he be? Because you know, with an average Garrett Wilson game, he'll be over a thousand yards already as a rookie. At, Considering the quarterback play he's gotten at times, it's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, li- listen, I, I like. Is it surprising that Keyshawn gave him? You know, was was that humble? Yeah, a little bit. We know Keyshawn. Keyshawn's a, you know, very outgoing and that's put the lightly type of guy. Um, but I think Keyshawn even knows, like, he recognizes how good Garrett Wilson is. I mean, he saw it on full display at Ohio State, um, and then coming into, I remember going to training camp. And, you know, just watching. And I'm like, this dude just moves different. Like, Elijah Moore is good, very good. But the way Gary Wilson was moving and training camp, I'm like, yeah, this, it's only a matter of time before this dude is like, it's going to put it all on full display. Because you could just, when, when guys are that talented, they just stick out like a sore thumb. And I think now you're starting to see, like, Garrett Wilson showing that full display, athletic display. It's there's not anything he can't do. You know he can do it all. Like he's hell on cornerbacks and man-to-man coverage because the way he moves in and out of his breaks and just the way he runs overall. He like he does remind me of like Justin Jefferson how twitchy he is. He's that twitchy of a guy. Um, but. This dude is nowhere near like his ceiling. Like th- that's the scary thing about watching Garrett Wilson. It's just like he's doing this well now in year one. Imagine where he's going to be next year or in a couple years when it's like the game is really slowed down for him. This dude is going to be one of the best receivers in the game in the next couple years. Yeah, I'm excited to see, especially you know, once whoever's going to be playing quarterback next year. It's- Probably better chance than not, neither guys on the roster. But, um, you know, never know. Maybe it's Mike White, maybe it's Zach or Jimmy or whoever. You know, that building that chemistry, getting a full off season with whoever it's going to be and Garrett getting even better. You can just the difference in him from week, you know, from training camp to preseason to week one to week four. It's like, it's crazy to watch. And every week it feels like he's kind of good for 100 and, and you know, five or six catches. I want to ask you one quick question before uh, just hit on a few other NFL things. Obviously, the Jets have had three different type of quarterbacks, it feels like, this year. And I know you played all over the offensive line. I know, you know, better, you know, you played with a lot of different guys in terms of their mobility and not. Does it become difficult to prepare each week 
kind of having a different guy back there and how they like to operate. Obviously, Joe Flacco's going to just stand in the same spot and you kind of know what you're in for. Mike White moves around a little bit, but it's more, it's a little bit more statuesque. And then Zach, obviously, it's kind of a wild card. You have no idea what you're going to get. Is it, is it yeah. frustrating or is it difficult to prepare? Because I don't know, I look at George Fant last week and I felt like he was fine. And then it's like, he gets credit for giving up two sacks when in reality kind of got run into because of guys trying to scramble. Yeah, I think as an offensive lineman, you prepare the same. You don't prepare any different, you know, you know, whoever's that quarterback. I think the thing that could be frustrating is when you look at the three guys, you know that, okay, Joe Flacco, he's not going anywhere. So you got to hold your block. Okay, Mike White, he knows how to maneuver in the pocket. So, and he, he he's quick with it as far as his progression and diagnosing things. So that plays to your advantage as an offensive lineman. And then you have Zach, who's, he's very athletic, but he has one of the slowest release times as far as, you know, um, pass plays. He tends to hold on to the ball because he's not processing things that fast. So, you know, you got to hold your block a lot longer with, with Zach back there at quarterback. So, again, as offensive lineman, I'm just doing what I, I'm just doing, you know, my thing. My technique is not changing. But I do understand, like, okay, if I have Zach back there, I know it might take a little longer because he's young. He's still trying to learn, figure it out. And it's just not going to come out the same way as it is with a guy like Mike White. Yeah, no, I wanted to ask you one other line question. Obviously, Elijah Vera Tucker's hurt. We all knew how good he was playing. He's playing everywhere. The Jets have – Robert Sala has been very vocal about he wants guys to get play wherever they're going to get paid the most money, I think. It's one of the reasons players love them as much as it's hard to see, you know, Oh, ever, I went, by the way, this is a public service announcement for fans, whatever Robert Tyler says publicly, he's never going to bash guys. So if you're looking for him to like rip Garrett Wilson for getting upset or any of these guys, it's not going to happen. It happens behind that's closed not doors. His style. It's like not he, his style. He, he comes from he, what people got to understand. First of all, I think that's a, that's part of his personality, but B he comes from the Pete Carroll tree. Like that's Pete Carroll it's rare you see Pete Carroll ripping his players like that. So, you know, if fans, expect, you know, want Robert Sauce to all of a sudden start ripping guys, you know, in press conferences, it's not, not going to happen. happen. <laughs> not going to happen. There's guys that got cut this year that are borderline roster guys on a 7-7 seven and seven team. Robert Sauce like, they're a future pro bowler because that's what he does. He's just – that's why people play for him. But obviously – the Jets are going to have a lot of questions to tackle next year. George Fant's probably going to walk. Dwayne Brown very easily could retire. It's admirable. He's even played through this injury, obviously, you know, 38, 39 years old. If you're your best guess, you think that he stays at guard or the Jets try to move him out to tackle? Because he obviously had success in both spots uh, in 2022. My best guess is he's, he's going to he'd go back to guard. The Jets going to use – they're going to use resources on the offensive line. I would, you know, I wouldn't be shocked first-round pick another offensive lineman, particularly tackle. Like, I think I think Joe Douglas and company is going to invest resources back into the offensive line this year. And you also got to understand, like, also, Connor McGovern is a free agent. We don't know if he's going to be back. So this offensive line could look drastically different, you know, in 2023. Yeah, it's one of the spots that, you know, looking forward, it's like there's a lot of – everywhere else in the team, it's kind of like even if there's one guy as a free agent, kind of – you know, kind of know what it's going to look like next year. The quarterback and offensive line are the two spots, which, you know, pretty important positions. But I want to ask you quickly about two other things just quickly before we wrap here. Patriots thing, obviously, on Sunday was one of the craziest plays. It might be the most embarrassing play I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because the butt fumble got memed into eternity for, for 20 years or 10 years, whatever. 
is that the craziest Bill Belichick team play you've ever seen? Because that's the last thing I would think of when I think of Patriots, Bill Belichick, of <laughs> draw a play that turns into a walk-off touchdown the other way. Um, it was the dumbest play, I've, I think, in NFL history. And I don't even say that lightly. I, I, I say that because it's, it's because it's a Bill Belichick coach team, you know. And you as a fan know this. How, how many times have you gone into a Patriots game thinking that we can't beat ourselves because the Patriots damn sure not going to beat themselves? Every single time. You know, it's that, like they'll take every, your weakness. Right, exactly. It's like the Patriots – Nine times out of ten, they're never going to beat themselves. They're always going to wait for you to make a mistake, and then they capitalize on it. And so for them to go out there and make such a blunder, such a critical mistake, you just, you're just sitting there. And for me, you know, I played under Coach Belichick for four years. I understand, like, his genius and, you know, the way he teaches situational football, and you're just sitting there thinking, how? Like, how does this happen? to a Bill Belichick coach team. And that's why I said it was the dumbest play in, in NFL history. Yeah, it was – it's just crazy because it, it probably cost the Patriots their opportunity to go to the playoffs. That's why it's interesting. Like, their, their next three games, if they lose one, they're likely out, which – I mean, maybe not, but just the way the, the you know, the seedings are breaking down, they almost kind of – they beat themselves, which, again, we, we never see. Look at the, the two Jets games this year. The Jets beat themselves, you know, obviously the Patriots, more so than the Patriots beat them. The other two kind of quick things. One, as much as I feel like the Eagles are awesome, is this Jalen Hurts injury? I know we don't know how serious it is and all that different type of stuff, but are you concerned at all if they have to miss Jalen Hurts for a little bit of time, or is it, you know, they're going to make the playoffs anyway, they win the division, and just get healthy for for three or four weeks from now? Yeah, listen, I think they're going to wrap up the division. Um, I think more, more than likely they're going to get the number one seed. There's no question. They got such a lead. But I don't think there's a big difference between the Philadelphia Eagles and, say, the San Francisco 49ers. Like, I think the 49ers are still, like, a really good football team. They're constructed the right right way. Like, we're going to see the difference between, you know, maybe uh, Jalen Hurts and a Brock Purdy. Like, the 49ers don't ask their quarterbacks to do, you know, the type of things that uh, Patrick Mahomes does. Like, they don't act – they just want them to play the – Operate the system. That's all we need you to do. If you operate the system, everything else will be just fine. And so I just don't think there's a lot of space between Philly and some of the other elite teams in the NFC. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. And, and the last thing I wanted to kind of get your opinion on, I assume you're going to be on the same page as me. Me and DJ were tweeting about this today, this week, that – because of the amount of podcasts and social media and how big of a presence in this like newer generation between the Michael Parsons, Jalen Hurts stuff, and then sauce it and Tariq Woolen, like, do you think that stuff's good? I feel like that stuff's good for the league. I know a lot of people hate it because they're like, Oh, you're giving them bulletin board material. I think it's great that sauce is like, you know, Jet thanks Jets fans for passing whoever, whoever that dude in Seattle is like, I think that stuff's <laughs> awesome. And especially the confidence to have that as a 21 year old, the confidence in yourself to be like, I could talk a lot of smack publicly, privately, and, I don't care if it comes out because I'm going to take care of business on Sundays. I love it, to be honest with you. I love when guys are their authentic selves. I mean, think about, like, for myself and, and people in the media, we always talk about we want the players to be authentic, right? We, we constantly talk about that. And then when a guy really is, and then, you, want, you know, people want to bash him for that? Like, no, I want more of that. Give me more of that. I want... 
I want it all. And so, like, I love Michael Parsons, you know, just letting it be known. Like Cowboys, Eagles, buck, like, buckle yeah, up. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't think Jalen Hurts is like that. Cool. Y'all got to see each other on the field. Like, the bull, I, I've never been into big into bulletin board stuff because ultimately, like, is that supposed to make me play harder? Like, you're supposed to be giving 100% anyway. Why would words make me play harder? Like, I'm going to go all out anyway because that I love the game of football. So I never, I never, uh, I never bought into the whole, oh, you're giving somebody bulletin board material. So what? You still got to walk between the white lines and go get it done. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's great for the game. And it's something that I just don't actually think we get enough of. It's like we criticize these guys all the time. Like, I remember when Sam was here, Sam is so boring. He never says anything, it's always the same answer. Okay, then a guy you hear it from a different quarterback who's like, nah, I'm like that. And then literally everyone's like, oh wow, this guy's so arrogant, classic. Like, what do you want? No, what do you no, want I to want say? that. I want, I like, I want that. Like, at, listen, at the end of the game, I always say, you know, we as players, we get paid a king's ransom to play a child's game. Like, it's entertainment that when you boil it all down. We are just entertainers. We we are entertaining people. So I want all like I want I love the, the fact that Sauce is here in the New York market. I love the fact that K Kayvon Thibodeau is in the New York market. Give me all the personalities right here in New York City. I want it all because I love that stuff. Look, it gives me things to talk about. I like I love seeing guys showing off their personalities. Yeah, look, hey, no. There was a whole question mark around Kayvon Thibodeau, the whole process, amongst other things. It was like, oh, his personality. He goes on primetime and then goes out and has 12 tackles, three tackles for loss, sack strip, like was difference in the game. And I'm no Giants person, but at the same time, for me, it's like, that's the stuff you love. Sauce is like, I want to get targeted. Please throw at me. And he wants that. So, and if he gives up a touchdown, so be it. He'll be okay. But there's more likely chance than not he'll, you know, he'll be able to perform. And it'd be great for Sauce to get a pick on prime time after two week cool and get up a touchdown last week. So, you know, for Jets fans, I think that'll, uh, that'll be nice, but obviously appreciate you hopping on as always. Um, you know, look, the Jets got to take care of business here. If they don't win on Thursday, they're probably not, you can't win December home playoff game or December home must win games. You're probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs, to be honest. I will say this. It, it, I will say this for, for the Jets organization. Don't hold anything back Thursday night. Whatever you got in the chamber, un unload, unload everything in the chamber to get a win. That's all you need. Just get one win. Then you get a you get a mini buy. Get one, get this one win on Thursday. Unload everything. Yeah, literally. Trick plays. It doesn't matter what it is. All the reverse passes. Who cares what it is? Because it doesn't like if you lose on Thursday, it doesn't matter. So you can hold those for next year all you want. Take them out. If you don't get to the playoffs again, you won't get to use that stuff. Unlike the like, just like the timeouts last week. Let's not uh, let's not leave anything. Uh, leave, don't leave, leave anything out there. I don't want to hear about it on Friday morning. But appreciate you as always. And uh, you know, again, we'll be back on Friday. The Jay Dues will be on. We'll be uh, recapping the game. Everyone have enjoy the game and have a uh, have a good Thursday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPile11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Appreciate the conversation earlier with Damian Woody. Now we're going to get a little bit of a Jaguars perspective. John Shipley, who covers the, uh, the Jaguars for Jaguar Report. John, how are we doing today? Hey, I was doing good until I found out I was following up Damian Woody. Hey, man, that's <laughs> a lot of pressure. I know, <laughs> no, no, no pressure, no pressure. But, uh, you know, obviously we got a big game recording this midday Wednesday, you know, 24 hours, you know, 36 hours from now. Jets-Jags, probably the, I think every game is probably the biggest Jets or Jaguars game in, in a long time. Obviously the Jaguars a little more recently had some success, but these games are, are must win for both teams. I know the Jags can technically lose this and then, you know, the Titans have a tougher schedule as well and they could, they'll match up and all that, but the Jets kind of need to win this game. And it feels like the Jaguars are rolling and, and do as well. I guess kind of what's the vibe around the Jaguars right now and how have they been able to turn this thing around? Cause it looked like just another, another year, maybe they win five, six games. All of a sudden here we are. Uh, they have a very good chance to win the division. Yeah, no, I think a good thing the Jaguars did was, you know, they kind of embraced the hole. They dug for themselves. I mean, you know, they had a five-game losing streak. They lost – they were 0-5 in October. Every loss was by at least one score, and they lost, like, in every way you can think of. You know, Lawrence t- fumbled four times against the Eagles, a red zone turnover against the Texans. Uh, they had a couple turnovers against the Giants, including an ETN turnover. They – have several turnovers against the Broncos and let the Broncos score 21 points, you know, somehow. So they just had a bunch of wacky losses and, you know, they kind of embraced that, okay, we've dug ourselves into this hole. If we want to make something of the season that, you know, should be a lot better than it was at that point, then they have to attack every week. So I think they, when a team is playing with their back against the wall and they're in do or die mode, I think a lot of times they can bring the best out of a team. And I think, you know, it's really brought the best out of them so far. Yeah, they're an interesting team to watch. Even you look back at that Giants game. I mean, everything that could have possibly happened to go wrong and then still get tackled at the one-yard line. Like, yeah. <laughs> their team, I think everyone during the offseason, you look back at the Christian Kirk contract, that was the big laughing stock. The offseason, even though the way everyone else got paid, it's not really quite as bad of a contract if you really look at it. It just felt like, okay, we're throwing a ton of money at guys that aren't like superstar-level players. It's just a lot of doing what you're not supposed to do in free agency, which is overpay mid-level players. But the key, obviously, is this guy playing quarterback. And, you know, I, I know Jets fans don't want to hear about Trevor Lawrence, and I get it. But the difference in every statistic, and not just with Zach, but just in general from Trevor last year. I, I liked the last year that, you know, I only got to watch him once in person, and, and obviously you get to watch him every week. But I, I felt like he was still willing to take risks last year. Like he wasn't afraid to make a mistake. And obviously you see that he had, you know, what leads league in picks and all that stuff. That's where the Peyton Manning stuff, I guess, actually is relevant of like, this guy's just willing, yeah. to, willing to grow on the job as opposed to being scared to make a mistake. And now with numbers, he's playing every bit like the top 10, top 12. I mean, I don't really, outside of, you know, the Mahomes and Burroughs of the world, like who's really playing better than Trevor has the last six or seven weeks. The numbers are ridiculous. They're winning pretty much every week. So What's the improvement been like for him? Because I feel like the light switch is on and, you know, he's one of the most, if not, you know, a top five most valuable quarterback right now going forward here, you know, 2022 and beyond. Yeah, no, I mean, you and I were talking before we started reporting about, I mean, how much respect I have for, you know, the the, the Jets roster. You know, coming into the offseason, I was beating the drum that the Jets have done a better job building, you know, at least personnel-wise for their quarterback than the Jaguars had to that point. And, you know, I had to take a few weeks ago. I think if, you know, Trevor Lawrence was on the Jets, 
I think they're up there with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, as, you know, the most dangerous teams. And I just think that's the kind of quarterback he's grown into. I think a big misconception people had uh, with Lawrence was how pro-ready he was coming out of Clemson. Because, you know, obviously he had all the physical talent, but Clemson runs, you know, a, a Mickey Mouse offense. You I know? Was they don't say do, the most yeah. college offense you're going to find. Exactly. They, they, they don't do anything that translates to the NFL. And I know for a fact there are guys, you know, scout 40 NFL who – hate watching Clemson's offense. So, like, you know, we can basically pick out physical traits, but that's it. So, I think he was a lot more, I think, raw than, you know, everybody calls him the next Andrew Luck, John Elway type prospect. You expect him to come up and play like Justin Herbert right away. I think that probably was just never going to happen for him. And I think the guy who put it best last year was the Jags played the Patriots. And I want to say it was, like, week 16, week 17 last year. It was one of the last games of the year. And Bill Belichick was asked about Lawrence. And, this was after he had started like 15 or 16 games. And he was like, yeah, you know, he's a good prospect, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, that, that to me kind of summed it up that, you know, he wasn't yet a good player. He was still kind of a prospect in his rookie year. I mean, you even saw some of those mistakes, you know, pop up this year, you know, the interceptions against uh, Denver and Houston, which, you know, probably cost the Jaguars two wins. And I think those are moments that, you know, they definitely sucked in the moment for the Jaguars, but those are moments that really seems like he had to go through in his, evolution as a quarterback because you're seeing him he's taking much better care of the ball now you know he's putting the ball in harm's way uh far less often he's still taking calculated risks but there are some things he did well even when he was playing poorly you know like his pocket management his ability to evade pressure uh you know he's has one of the lowest sack percentages of any starting quarterback so there are always things he's done well but it, just him growing in that kind of you know, decision-making aspect of who he is as a quarterback has been the biggest change. And I think that's all Doug Peterson. I, I, I think you're going to look back in five or 10 years and say Doug Peterson is the best thing that ever happened to Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, I, we were talking about it. I was like, if Doug Peterson goes to Jacksonville, look, I don't mean, you know, I've missed a lot of predictions and things too, but that just felt like such a layup of a hire of like, give the guy who's really good at offense and developing quarterbacks and, you know, to the guy that we probably needs the most, you know, could use some of that development. And yeah. the one thing that's been interesting with the Jags, you know, obviously I think if you do a 2022 redraft through, I guess, 14 weeks now, and I'm not sure Trayvon Walker's going one. And, and I know that's part of, you know, he is a project and I'm not, it's not bashing the pick as of yet. No, for sure. But, you know, you look at it and you go, sauce is probably going one. If you redraft this, uh, this class, maybe not, you know, I'm, I'm not sure everyone has a different opinion, but sauce has been that good. And, you know, the Jags, I feel like, haven't even hit on their first two. You know, Devin Lloyd has given up, I think, the most yards and coverage of any linebacker in the league, which is kind of weird because that was part of his thing was, like, he's he's supposed yeah. to be good at that. Um, exactly. But, you know, here they are. The offensive line, I know you wrote about this, I believe, this morning. There's, like, the injury bug kind of just popped up, and it's not exactly yeah. the best week for that to happen because I know Trevor Lawrence's stats when blitzed are, are fantastic. It's something that he's really improved on but the Jets don't ever blitz. So how is this going to work on Thursday? Because offensive line injuries matched up with the Jets D line getting healthier, which is already a top five unit is probably not the best recipe and probably the key for the Jets winning on uh, on Thursday versus the Jags. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I said earlier, I think the Jets are arguably the best defense the Jags will play this year. You know, they played the Eagles. I mean, the Cowboys, I think were a top three DVOA defense when the Jags played them last week. But I think across the board, the Jets, you know, the depth and playmakers they have at each level, I think it's probably the toughest defense the Jags, you know, will play, or at least up there top two. And he, I, I think what Peterson has done against other, you know, tough defenses they've played, 
uh, is really, you know, getting the ball out of quarterback's hands quickly. And that, that doesn't involve, you know, having to do anything really wacky scheme wise, you know, it's just simply, you know, playing on time, playing in a rhythm and trying to avoid those big negative plays, you know, against Detroit, they only scored 14 points against a bad defense. That's because they had, I think it was five runs that lost at least five yards or more. You know, they, I mean, they, they were having crazy negative plays that kind of set back the entire rhythm with the offense. And I think when they play on a rhythm, that's when they feel like they're playing the best. So just not asking Lawrence to, you know, drop back with a backup left tackle and a backup left guard and, you know, hold on to the ball forever. And the Jags aren't built like that either. You know, they're built to be a, a quick hitting offense. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much of a role a guy like Travis Etienne plays. Obviously, James Robinson, you know, likely will not be active. Uh, that would have been a fun revenge game story and and whatever. But obviously, it's just the knee seems like it's not fully there right now. And there's the Jets just feel like they have more juice than yeah. other guys. Obviously, Zonovan Knight's played far better. Although that trade, you know, in the end, it's a conditional six-round pick. I don't yeah, think. no, it's it's a throwaway. And I hate it because James Robinson, I've I've been covering the Jags since 2019 and that, that, you know, four years isn't a long time, but just the nature of the NFL, you see a lot of guys kind of churn out and go through and James Robinson is one of my favorite athletes I've ever covered. So just seeing him, you know, kind of go through the injuries he's gone through this year is, you know, really stunk, but the, the Jets, you know, they're one of those teams that just seems like you know, they have running back after running back. I mean, I was super high on Michael Carter coming out. Yeah. It's like, you look at the, the running back room in 2023, Brees Hall, Knight, Carter, James Robinson. It's, it's quite a, it's probably going to be the best. I would say probably the, you know, that obviously the the way Zeke plays now, it's, that would probably be better than, better than Dallas's room. I kind of wanted to get your, you know, you kind of mentioned there's obviously the Zach Trevor stuff. It's inevitable. I have to bring it up, even though if it's not really worth a discussion, I saw someone say Robert, Robert Salas words. And I get it. He's backing his own guy. He's like, it's not fair to compare these two. Well, it's because Trevor's playing like a top 10 quarterback and Zach is the guy who's already lost his job uh, once this year in year two. Um, I know there's not a comparison there, but what's kind of the thought process from afar on Zach Wilson and, you know, kind of where he's at, because he's just a prospect where, He's either got the most passionate – he has some of the most passionate fans that are Zach Wilson guys, and if you don't like Zach, you think he sucks. It's like there is no in-between. No one's really in the middle of the road right now. It's kind of a tough to, tough and toxic discussion on social media. I, I, I actually – I think Wilson, you know, like I said earlier, when, you know, Lawrence during his rookie season is more of a prospect than a player. I think, you know, a lot of that can go for Wilson. I think, you know, he's still – you know, Salah, you know, I saw, you know, kind of unfairly got, you know, blown, blown to pieces with it saying, you know, he's still the same guy. He went for 18, 18 in the bowl game, but trying to try anything he can, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, at the end of the day, I do think, you know, he is, you know, really similar to the guy that saw BYU can, you know, make some incredible plays, you know, some really improbable plays out of the pocket, but, you know, playing on rhythm, accuracy, some accuracy issues. I mean, I do know, you know, talking to, you know, Jaguars players and coaches this week inside the locker room. I mean, they see Wilson as a guy who he has the potential to hit the big play and, you know, the, the way their entire defensive identity is, you know, it, it doesn't matter to them who's playing quarterback. Every week you ask them what's the key, and they say pressure him and try to force mistakes. So that's obviously going to be, you know, their key against Wilson. But, I mean, the, the Jags are a pass defense that, you know, it, it has not been good this year. I mean, they entered the season with, you know, a, a complete misuse of resources at cornerbacks. They had Shaquille Griffin, who – the last staff, you know, kind of went the bat forward who had to play start season because he was the biggest cap hit. They signed Darius Williams in the offseason and said, okay, we already have Shaquille Griffin and Tyson Campbell. I guess Darius Williams is going to play in the slot. Darius Williams isn't a slot cornerback. You know I mean? He just, 
he, he he's he's not really you know built for it from a physical standpoint. So they've spent really most of the year turning out outside cornerback after outside cornerback until they finally realized, okay, you know, we just have to put this guy on the outside, and maybe we don't have three NFL cornerbacks on our roster. So I, I think the plays will be there for Wilson. You know, you mentioned Devin Lloyd struggling against tight ends. Devin Lloyd has, you know, I was a guy who I had a first-round grade on Lloyd coming out. I think everybody out there who scouted Lloyd said, you know, he'd be a plus in pass coverage, and that has <laughs> not been the case this year. So I think the plays will be there for Wilson to make. You know, I think he has a chance to, you know, earn back some confidence this week. It's just making sure he doesn't make some of those negative plays that result in turnovers. Because, I mean, the Jaguars, their team, they've gotten really lucky with takeaways this year. I know they have game-winning pick six last week. They made a mistake in coverage, and the guy who picked off Dak wasn't even supposed to be there. He just happened to be there. Uh, Tra- Trayvon Walker's first uh, interception against Washington. You go back and watch it, and you're like, was he even, you know, in the right spot? So, you know, just things like that. The Jags got lucky in that way, so he just can't afford to kind of let them get lucky. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the crossers and, and routes, a lot of them that Zach struggled with last week will be there. It's can you hit them with consistency? Obviously, hits the crazy third 19 throw that maybe five guys in the league can hit. He misses four or five throws that anybody else in the league can hit. So it's can you even that out a little bit? I, again, I you mentioned the prospect thing with Zach. I, I really felt like last year, I mean, last week, was what I expected to see from last year, where these big explosives, awesome throws, and then kind of the low, you know, not reading the field correctly or bad footwork. Yeah. It's just and, and, yeah, it the sucks. thing that the thing kind of stinks for the Jets is that it just it seems like their rebuild process got sped up so quickly by the fact that I mean this defense is legit good. They have weapons that they're ready to contend right now. Whereas Wilson has a quarterback, you know, he's a guy who probably needs like a lot of time and you know he needs a team who's willing to kind of you know, take their medicine for a few years and the Jets have kind of realized, like, you know, oh, crap, we can, we can win right now. Maybe when you put that before, you know, this guy's developed. Yeah, no, it's and it's been tough. Look, he's gotten – he's missed significant time multiple years now. And you you get benched, you miss time, and then you get hurt as a rookie. It, it's, you know, it, those – you know, he should really be on start, you know, 30 at this point or whatever it is, yeah. not start 22. And, uh, you know, that's that's another thing where, you know, Trevor's been able to stay on the field and get – get those reps and, you know, those live bullets, which I understand Zach needs. It's just, you can't lose a locker room at the same time where exactly. they haven't been in the playoffs in 12 years and it would mean quite a bit, you know, if you want to be a destination, you know, in the off season, you, you know, you want to feel like you're one or two pieces away. And that guy, you know, that happened with them this year with the AJ Brown, Chandler Jones, Tyree kills where they wanted those guys and Debo and they're willing to pay them. But would you rather be, you know, would you rather go to an organization that's, truly trending up or and you know the Jets are and, and they'll be fine the Jags will you know likely be a destination as well if Peterson Lawrence and you know Florida State taxes and all that um, <laughs> if there's one matchup you're looking for outside of Quincy Williams the, the sneaky revenge game the fact that he's turned into a legit linebacker probably uh is as crazy to you as it is to anybody that's covered that draft and covered the Jags yeah that, I, I'm, I'm I'm so happy for Quincy man he was he was dude. always he was always a super you know super gracious dude and, you know, it's, it's like always somebody who, you know, I really respected. And, you know, he, he, he always saw those, you know, flashes in Jacksonville, those plays where, you know, he easily like a, like a heat seeking missile on the field, you know, he'll run, you know, a hundred miles an hour, blow somebody up for a big play. So you always saw those flashes. Uh, and I think, you know, the Jaguars now, you know, I'd definitely say that was a major misstep by him because 
even if you weren't going to start him last year, some some of the other guys they kept on the roster over him as backup linebackers aren't even in the NFL right now. Then you see guys like Devin Lloyd are struggling. You know, I think you know right now, I would take Quincy Williams over Devin Lloyd if you're talking for the next couple of years. So I think Quincy Williams is one of the big missteps by the Jaguars in the last couple of years. Like you know, he did have his struggles in Jack's fault times, but he also wasn't really they weren't really patient with him at all. So. You know, Dave Caldwell can sit back and say he got that one right. The Jaguars still somehow got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, Quincy's a guy, look, he, he's likely, you know, one of the two people that are at fault for the, the big fourth and one play because Quincy just got aggressive. But part of the thing you take with Quincy is the highs and lows. It's, you know, he's going to make four or five plays that very few linebackers can make, and he's going to make a few reads where you're like, dude, where were you looking on that play? That was, uh, that was frustrating. But the last two questions here. One, is there a key matchup you're kind of looking for on either side of the ball or something you're looking forward to? And then, uh, you know, I guess we'll, we'll get to what you think uh, we think might go down in a disgusting night in uh, in New Jersey <laughs> tomorrow. I mean, I, I, I think Tyson Campbell against the Jets receivers. You know, I know uh, Garrett Wilson spent a lot of time inside, but whether Tyson Campbell sees him at all, uh, Elijah Moore, I think that's going to be a really interesting battle. I mean, it, you know, Tyson Campbell – has really ascended in the second year. You know, he's not that obviously Patrick Sertan level of cornerbacks, but he, he's turned into a guy who, you know, he's a player who would be worthy of like Pro Bowl consideration type player, you know, not a guy who you're like, okay, he's a Pro Bowl all for a lock, but, you know, he's been a good player. So seeing him against two good receivers, I think would be really interesting. Two guys who, you know, they're similar in some ways, but really different also. And then I think Quinton Williams against uh, Luke Fortner, and I think, you know, that's, the matchup to watch from the Jaguars are on offense. Luke Fortner settled in some at center, but I mean, he, he struggles with the big dudes at defensive tackle and Quinn, Quinn and Williams, you know, he should be an all pro. He's been the monster this year to everybody. It's, you know, always known he was in South Bama. I think he could, you know, single-handedly kind of wreck the Jaguars offense. So I think, you know, how they really try to contain him will be the big thing. Yeah. It's interesting to watch the, the evolution of Quinn. He used to be a guy that would flash, you wouldn't see it week in and week out. You'd see it for a couple of weeks in a row and then he would get hurt or, uh, you know, he'd just get hurt. He just would kind of disappear. And this year it's been outside of maybe one or two games, he's been the best player on the field in pretty much every game. It's pretty insane to think he's almost a sack a game as a defensive tackle that only plays like 50, 55% of the snaps or whatever it is. I guess he's closer to 60 now, but it's still pretty wild to see. I guess, what do you think happens on Thursday? You don't have to, you know, you can give a prediction if you want to score or whatever, but um what do you think ends up having the Jaguars keep it rolling or are the Jets going to break a three-game losing streak? It's tough because, you know, normally short weeks you go with the team who has the better quarterback. You know, that's Trevor Lawrence over Zach Wilson. But I, I think the Jets' defense you know, has enough pieces to really frustrate the Jags. And, you know, like we said, I think the plays will be there for the Jets' offense. And I think their coaching staff will be able to find those. So, And also – you. The simple fact alone that, you know, I've tweeted about Zach Wilson quite a few times. Kadarius Tony is another guy I've tweeted a lot about. He had a career day against the Jaguars that I think I kind of personally willed him to. So I, I, I think my support alone will help Zach Wilson have at least a solid day. I, I think Jets win a close one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Jags can find their way. Uh, even if they lose, they're going to obviously be big times, you know, trying to lose. You know, hopefully the Titans lose for their sake and then they end up uh, – if they win out – Obviously, I believe I think they get in right if they even if they lose and the Titans. Lose, yeah, they, no, they, they uh, if if them and the Titans each go one and one over the next two weeks, then week eighteen is winning your end, which is crazy. I'd be yeah, be pretty impressive. The Jets and the Jaguars, uh, along with the Lions, all find their way 
in those that playoffs. Would be. There'll be there'll be one team in that top four that uh you know not so much. They may be picking first again, likely. <laughs> um, maybe if you you know draft an injury prone corner and a head coach who's a stopgap, maybe that's probably why. But I guess the Texans have yeah, their own future I, to worry about. I really think they're gonna hire legit a third head coach in three years too. I, they're, 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 Will Levis is gonna go number one. I'm, I'm putting my flag on that one yeah, right yeah. now. They're a mess. The, Will, the Will Levis, Josh McCown led Texans are going yeah. to be an interesting uh, <laughs> team to to watch and cover. But obviously, appreciate you. You know, you hopping on the show. Um, make sure you're following John on on Twitter. Um, make sure you guys, you know, are following him. He'll be he's a good resource for anything Jags related and you know NFL related as well. But appreciate you hopping on, and uh, you know, good luck to the Jaguars tomorrow. And uh, you know, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me on, man.